Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and we are recapping Dark Still. We're still in the darkness. We are recapping Season 2, Episode 4 today. This one is called The Travelers. This is an intense episode, and I'm going to bring in my co-host because I need her. You know her from oneofmystories.com. She does our recaps for us. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, fellow traveler. We're fellow travelers on the dark journey. Oh, I'm a traveler? That's so cool. (laughs) I feel honored. (laughs) I mean, it's all about, at this point, it's all about which team are you on? Because we've got all these teams. So let's let's team up, Steve. Well, yes, we should. Like, you know, we're already teamed up. This episode is all about, like, unlikely team ups. Like, we see people team up we never thought would team up. (laughs) Yeah, this one was neat. This is travelers, like you said. Yeah, this is, a, this is a really neat one for me. I'm really excited to get into this because we uh, we finally got Jonas. We missed him last episode. He's mm-hmm. back with us. And I like the team-ups, and I like these like new sad characters that we saw this episode, so I'm psyched. Yeah, this is almost like a sc- episode of the Scooby-Doo gang, you know, all the, all the teaming up. <laughs> Where's Gretchen? <laughs> we need a dog in there somewhere. <laughs> I didn't right. see Gretchen every this episode. Quest, every, every quest needs like an animal companion right right uh, i mean we got the obvious choice right there are there any <laughs> other animals so far that we've seen that's the only one so far right there's no cats or <laughs> other animals hanging around no, i don't unfortunately, remember and now that now that you mentioned that i'm sort of wishing there was a cat I, i'm like if there was <laughs> if we did have a character with a cat what character do you think would be most likely to have a cat oh hannah in the Hannah household with Jonas, of course. I definitely oh, see them as a cat family. Okay. Like even okay. like Michael when he was alive, I could see him being a cat person too. See, I'm kind of think thinking. think it's like different? Well I, well, I have like two contenders actually. I think Adam would be a good a good cat owner. I could just see him sure. with his, in his chair, in his armchair, <laughs> patting a cat. Um, but another person might be um, Greta Doppler, for instance, you know, Helge's mom. You know, can't you see her crossing oh, yeah. her arms with a cat on the, on the banister, maybe <sighs> frowning at Helge? Yeah, like a Siamese cat, I think, would be like the <laughs> obvious choice for her. <laughs> And I do think, yeah, for Adam is a good choice. I'm thinking of like Dr. Claw from um, Inspector Gadget, how he had that cat that hung around on his shoulder. Yes. I, I can absolutely see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, let's get into our recap. But before we did, I want before we do, I just want to, um, just for any new listeners, give a brief rundown of what we're going to be doing here. Um, a bulk of this episode is the recap, which is what we're all here for. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, after that, we'll do maybe some brief discussion questions if we have any. Uh, we usually don't go too long with that one. We always go into our favorites and our least favorite characters of each episode. So that's going to be something we, you're going to see us do every week. I'm going to do that with James too, Lindsay. I decided that <laughs> I'm going to spring that one on James because I like doing that every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if we have any listener feedback, we're going to include that back then. And this week we have lots of listener feedback. So stick around for that. And then we're going to tell you what other kind of projects we might be working on for the week. Um, but for now, let's get to the recap. Lindsay, that's on you. Are you ready for it? Oh, yes, I'm ready. All right. So this begins with Jonas waking up in a wheat field, gasping for air. We didn't know Wyndon was a farming community. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't no. realize they had that in the past. <laughs> this nope. is this be, this beginning kind of has has me with the witch vibes, you know, or like <laughs> okay, or you know that folk horror kind of with I don't know. It has me not quite midsummer because they're more happy, but this is a very bleak sort of folk horror feel here. But well, I think that's what they did yeah. with this field, like before the power plant came around, I guess, and before like you know the mines got heavy, as they did the the fields here. Because I think this is right where where Jonas wakes up here in the field. I mm-hmm. think he's on the the same grounds as the power plant, which would make sense because that's where the God particle is in the future. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it makes sense, like the transition from what agrarian to industrial stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people went through that at the same time, and I guess they're they're indicating it here. But this is the first time we've seen. Well, we had sheep farmers. We've had sheep farmers in the eighties, right, right. But besides that, we really haven't seen farmers in Winton. So that was kind of fun. These guys, I was like, I really hope these guys are key characters, but they're, but they're not. The Dark Io just lists them as farmers. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I, I, like I like their vibe. They I mean, they were kind of weird, but they were they were friendly yeah. to Jonas, as you'll tell us here. I mean, I yeah. like them. So he wakes up gasping for air. He looks around, unsure of where he is. We know he just went into the God particle, un, unsure of where he would end up, hoping it might be home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He buries the hazmat suit and is going to walk in search of answers until he notices this gunshot wound on his leg. And he kind of leans against the tree and he's reeling from the pain. It's like the thing when you you don't realize you have a wound and then you look at it and you realize, ow, that really hurts. <laughs> right. I think the God particle really messed him up. It obviously knocked the wind out of him. And it reopened his wounds like worse than they were than when he went in there. So I think that's a real, a real jostler. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't really think he had fully, fully healed from anything. I mean, when he got, he was hung, shot, and then they right. just showed him in prison. And so I don't know how right. much medical care or attention he oh, really got. <laughs> um, but yes, right, I do right. agree. Probably going into the God particle may have made him a little dizzy at least or disoriented mm-hmm. um so he's he realizes man i'm still hurting a lot and these two men these two farmers come in they want to know how he got this injury and where he came from but Jonas isn't really sure what to say i mean he looks pretty bad he's got uh, he looks like a POW, so that that's the conclusion yeah. they come yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have come to as well. Like, oh, this guy's been through it. Yeah, or a veteran. You know, he's come home, and they offer him some food in town, and Jonas hesitates at first, but they insist that a woman named Erna has a soft spot for the wounded. Yeah, this... It was cool coming through the town, like this point going on. Well, first off, the guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I like these guys. I was kind of nervous about them when I first saw them appear. But yeah. like, you know, upon like second watch, third watch, whatever, I like, you know, it, it was it's apparent that they're, you could see their eyes. They have friendly eyes, um, especially when they get to the bar and they're watching them like eat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think. They they were kind of picking on him, but the second one 
the one that mentions Erna. I don't know. He he mm-hmm. had me feeling uneasy. That's why I kept thinking he must be somebody because he had like, I don't know, he just had a particular look. He kind of had an Ulrich look almost to him. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, I was just, I didn't trust him. I didn't trust either <laughs> one of them, but they're nothing. They're just distrustful of him because of this, the, what, the, country, the way the country is right now. Everybody's hurting from the war. Right, right. So he walks into town with these two men and there are mourners walking alongside a coffin. So it's pretty somber and just adds to this feeling that Jonas is way off the path. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They stop near a young girl who's sharpening sticks (laughs) and looking like she means business. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they tell the girl to go tell Erna to get some food ready and call her Agnes. So here we go. Young Agnes. Yeah, right. So she has a distinct look even about her as a child. They picked a good actress for her because she's kind of menacing. She's like, it looks looks like she might be up to something. I was looking at every time I would watch this, I would look at them coming through town and I would try to kind of orient myself, but I don't really... I couldn't really put it together where they were um, within mm-hmm. Winden. At first I was kind of fooling myself like, oh, maybe this is the building that he did like the Elvis trick, like in 2053 where he played the music. But I don't think that's mm-hmm. correct. I think this is yeah. just another part of town that maybe we haven't seen or just looks different now. Yeah, that was near the school. Okay. Yeah, this this seems more like you know, Main Street or whatever. So the cl- the closest thing we might have gotten to that would be like the Wyndon Police Station, but in the right. 80s. So, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe this is the intersection, <laughs> the intersection where the the stoplight and all that. Who knows? I was hoping you could fill it in for me. But yeah, I yeah. assume this is around the police corridor. Yeah, someone should really make a map. Um, maps of Wyndon through time that, I mean, I'm assigning a project to somebody. Okay. Anybody out there that wants to make geographic maps? You know, there was a guy I used to work with. Um, not that I used to work with, he doesn't work at our office anymore. He's retired, but he would step out of his office sometimes and he would go, you know, somebody ought to, and he would say some task. And then my response to him was always, Hey Cliff, you're somebody. <laughs> so, Lindsay, you're somebody. I think you could make us a, a lovely map of uh, Winden if you'd like. Maybe yeah, it already that, exists. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Somebody must have done this already because there's the the love for this show is so is so deep. Somebody surely has made maps. So let us know if you know where the maps are. Please, yes. <laughs> so yes, I agree with you. Agnes, Agnes looks looked pretty creepy. I was getting bad seed vibes. <laughs> I think it was like her incredibly like bright light eyes. Like she had those grayish eyes. I think that might have been what it was. And also the, what do they call it? The victory crown. I'm trying to, some, I just Mm -hmm. know about this, that thing, the hairstyle with the braids is like a German hairstyle. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but. um, It's practical and cool. Yeah. Yeah. So inside the inn, Jonas it noshes a bowl of soup, inhales it pretty much, and gets asked more questions. He decides to go along with that POW story. 
Mm-hmm. And informs them he's from the Eastern Front. He just picked, you know, I guess he could have said Eastern Front, Western Front. He just said Eastern Front. Maybe he's thinking, thinking back to history class and what they might, exactly. what words they might have used. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we meet Erna, who seems like a friendly enough lady. Um, yeah. She decides to put him up in the inn, in a bedroom in the inn, and he asks the question we know he's been dying to ask. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> and it's 1921. Yeah, Erna is definitely cool. She's got some sass, and the way she answers his questions are kind of like matter-of-factly. And I like the way she, when he refuses help, she gives it anyway. Like, she overrides <laughs> what he has to say. Um, mm-hmm. The food looks disgusting. I got to say that. <laughs> Looks so gross, looks especially hearty. like dripping off his chin as he's like looking <laughs> up and like shivering. Like I don't need any help. It, it was pretty rough. He's rough. I really think that jaunt through that god particle really, mm-hmm. really does because he sleeps for twenty four hours after this too. So I think he got some mm-hmm. real severe like uh, misophonia. What do you? Not it's not misophonia. The stuff with the ears that the uh, episode four. Oh, um, autopsy. Yeah. Maybe he got a severe case of that and is like taking some time to recover from it. Maybe. But yeah, he was shivering. Um, so nobody gave him a blanket, though. I don't know. But yeah, he looked pretty rough. <laughs> he looked pretty they gave rough. Him some hot soups. That was good. <laughs> Eastern Front. That was a smart choice because he wasn't sure what year he was in, but he knew that he was, you know, back in time, obviously. So mm-hmm. choosing that particular phrase, Eastern Front, covers both World War One and World War Two, because in both mm-hmm. there was like an Eastern Front, and in both of them, a majority of Germans like sided with that um, campaign. So I think that was just like a, a you know a safe bet. Like if you woke up back in time and you knew that you were in Tennessee, and some soldiers came up to you, you would oh, I'm from the South, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just based on where you're at, <laughs> just to make the least amount of trouble. <laughs> so it's now June 24th, 2020, three days before the apocalypse. The camera pans up, two bodies entwined together. It's Jonas and Marta making love. Jonas says, I think we're a perfect match. Never believe anything else. Marta wakes up in a sweat sobbing as she realizes it's just a dream and i think we had did we already have a scene like this where jonas mm-hmm. wakes up yeah that's in the very very first episode of this season i think first or second episode it's jonas so we're the seeing exact same scene exact same scene yeah they're both having this same dream And it's up to the audience to speculate, really, if this is a memory or a dream. Um, But the the thing is that both of them are thinking of each other as they're apart. They're never far from each other's minds. And when they think of each other, they think of each other this way, together, intimate. Yeah, right on. Yes. And they're obviously of the same mind because they <laughs> having the same dream. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only other thing I wanted to say was, 
Yeah, this is just um, another classic dark moment where she wakes up and immediately starts like weeping. And I don't know, they th these characters really emote sadness really well. Like every character has their turn to do so. And and they're <laughs> and they do mm -hmm. a great job at it. It's probably not an easy thing to do. Um, and they nail it every time. Yeah. I mean, for Marta, we know that when she last saw Jonas, he basically was like, eh, we're not a match. <sighs> that's right. You know, like, cold, cold, wooden Jonas. That's right. Yes, that's right. The wooden, the cold Jonas that you despise with all of your being. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and here, Marta's having these dreams, perhaps against her will, Um you know, she's not, this isn't something she necessarily wants because she's already feeling this loss. Um, I mean, right. she wants to be with him, but it's, you know, I've actually been in this position before where I've had dreams about people I miss and it's horrible. Um, if you're trying to move on and heal, she can't, she can't seem to do that because she's, her heart longs for him. You know, she can't get over it. Good perspective. Okay. So then we're at the Wyndham Police Station. Investigator Clausen studies the evidence board on the wall. And he's got a picture, a sketch of the stranger. It's a nice sketch. It's great. It is a good sketch. It's like a, pont a pontilus. Isn't that what you call that? I don't know. I haven't heard that word before. It's like when you take a pencil and you poke holes instead of drawing lines, you poke like little dots to make the picture. <laughs> That's what it looks like here. Anyway, I'm sorry. It okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> in walks Wooler and to inform him that Charlotte Doppler has called in sick. See, now this is what I'm talking about. This is what we expected. Last time Clausen said, I don't have a car. Can I drive around with you? And she said, sure. And I told you she was just saying it to get, <laughs> to get out the door because the next day she calls in sick. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Waller tries to slink out the door, but Clausen decides that Waller will accompany him on his calls in Charlotte's absence because he has a car. And like um, anybody who's listening has seen this. It's like Waller is like fanning the room because like he keeps opening and closing the door multiple times. <laughs> so it reminds me of like somebody trying to fan the room with a door to like make the smoke go away or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. He's an unenthusiastic partner, though, I think. I don't think Waller is. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading that he's not too excited. That's the read that I got off the guy. Yeah, I felt the same <laughs> way. But again, I was like, this could have been, which is kind of surprising. because we've talked about the fact that he kept trying to be useful to both Charlotte and Ulrich. And they're all, they were kind of dismissive. Thanks, you can leave now. So you might think that he's like, all right, I get to be number two for the day. Good call. Yeah, you're right. But he seems kind of like not that enthusiastic about hanging out with Clausen. <laughs> well, there's probably two reasons. One, he's like used to not doing anything. So like he was planning <laughs> on just reading comic books at his desk. And then two, mm -hmm. like, just like you said, it's Clausen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Clausen, <laughs> but there's also like the fact that we know he's working with Alexander and, you know, he's kind of the informant. So he's probably mm -hmm. like, oh, dang, this guy's this guy's mm. sniff uh, like a, a bloodhound, you know, he'll sniff it out. <laughs> he does a pretty good job of like not saying much to him, too. So kind of yeah. hand it to him. <laughs> 
So inside her grandfather's study, Charlotte is not sick. <laughs> She's at her grandfather's store right. or study, going through his files, pulling out diagrams and charts. One of them is the specs for building the time machine. Mm -hmm. She then gets a phone call from Hannah Conwald. Yeah, that's a very weird call. Was not expecting that on her phone. <laughs> I mean, we find out later, and I, I have my own suspicions why, but I, I was very surprised to see a call, call from Hannah coming her way. Like, is she playing mm -hmm. like a girl's night? Or like, <laughs> finally, like Hannah wants I to mean, hang out with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she should she should call Charlotte. Charlotte's cool. Um, yeah, totally. You know, instead of hanging out by yourself, planning <laughs> how to blackmail people. Um <clears throat> I'm Bye. positive these TV show watchers were also big fan. I mean, I'm sorry. The the makers of Dark, Darkways Productions, watch Time Bandits um, endlessly, I'm sure. First off, because it's a European movie. But then second off, like this map is like straight out of Time Bandits. And then the whole like, you know, young boy being involved, just like in 1899. And here with we have Mikkel. There's a very similar character in Time Bandits of a young boy about that age, too who gets roped mm -hmm. into stuff. I I have a sneaking feeling if you ask them their five favorite movies or most influential time bandits would be one of them. So we then go to Hannah's house. Stranger Jonas comes downstairs fresh from the shower, Steve. Yay. I was so <laughs> excited to see him showered and clean. You know it. <laughs> Only took him three days, but thank you, Jonas. <laughs> he looks at the photos on the table and then opens that metal lockbox to find the handgun and passport Hannah hid inside. He questions her about the items, but she just suggests that it's time to make breakfast. <laughs> ignore, ignore. Like that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> I think she deserves I think she deserves some answer or he deserves some answers there as much as they were harping about secrets, right? They've been talking about how secrets are going to kill them. So mm -hmm. come on, Hannah, out, out with it. But something we else drew, drew my attention on this scene, actually. Oh, same. But um, okay, what you got? Okay, okay. <laughs> well, huh, wonder if it's the same thing. Might be. So he go, when he came downstairs, he goes to the fridge and opens it up and, and grabs what I think is milk? I don't know. It's something, mm -hmm. and you know, we know at the very beginning he grabbed he grabbed milk, and the power had gone out, and it's right. like the milk was bad, and that the power was out, so the food went bad, and um, then and then when you know Hannah's having an affair, but young Jonas is a creature of habit. I mean, stranger Jonas is a creature of habit. He comes down, he does that same thing, but when he turned right. out turned around, we saw all of those scars on his back, right? And when I as he turns around, I'm noticing, I noticed the shape of the scars was in a triangle. Oh. So I was kind of like, huh. It almost looks like he either, like, almost looks like he tried to get a Sigmundus tattoo or someone oh. tried to force him to get a Sigmundus tattoo. Interesting. And okay. didn't finish. But I think... I don't know if that's true or not. I took the pictures. I can't send them to you here. I meant to send them to you earlier, but um, somebody actually has a picture side by side. So somebody else had picked up on this on Reddit. 
Okay. But it's got the triangle shape, almost like the emerald tablet, wow. the smaragdina thing. And I was like, huh. But it's, you know, it's very rudimentary in shape. So um, that's that's kind of what I picked up on. Well, that, that makes a lot of like sense. That back tattoo, you know. That would make a lot of sense because knowing like what we know now and it happens at the end of this episode here um, kind of seems like, you know, that would <laughs> be kind of who he was at one point, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's really wild. I didn't even notice that correlation. So I'm really anxious to see those pictures and, <laughs> and see for myself because just like other characters later on this episode, I need to see things from with my own eyes to believe them. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Um, I like the way that the camera like was sweeping through like the house and the kitchen. It wasn't just like a static shot or like a, you know, a train shot. It was, it was almost like it was like a, a drone hovering around, like following where he went. I really enjoyed watching that. But what I noticed was he did the same thing again where he stopped and took a second to glance at that one spot on the floor that he glanced at a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted to point out was that he did it again. Okay. That crafty Jonas. So then we're at the Nielsen house. Marta and Magnus are on the couch wondering what they should do about their mom. Katarina has been either upstairs in Mickle's bedroom or in the caves exploring, leaving the kids on our own. We, we don't know where she is. They don't know where she is. Right. So Francisca knocks on the door, Elizabeth in tow, and she wants to talk to Magnus. <laughs> the only note I have before you continue is they did the whole Marta. Francisca thing <laughs> yes, again. Exactly, exactly. Yes. I love it. Francisca has like one style of greeting everybody. Doesn't matter yep. if it's uh, Magnus or Marta, you know. Um, she's still pretty upset that he accused her of messing around with Bernadette, but she pseudo apologizes for what she said. It's this angry attempt at making up. <laughs> right. And, but they don't get a, a chance to talk too much because Marta interrupts wondering if she's just going to be a babysitter while they make out, make up and make out. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Francisca says she had to bring Elizabeth because her parents hadn't, they, their parents had been absent for two days. So um, both of these kids are in the same the same boat, right? Their parents right. are neglecting, being neglectful. Right. I get the sense that their parents aren't always neglectful. It's just during this particular cycle, these past couple of days, is when they've been like mega neglectful and not being around. Right. One might hope. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I wanted to point out, Martha was saying. You know, she's saying like, you two are in here making out. They were not making out. They were getting ready to shake hands, literally. <laughs> that's all that was happening. So I think mm -hmm. Martha blew that a little out of proportion, which that's a joke I like to make all the time. Is like me and Heather shook hands and agreed on something. That's, that's how people do it. Yeah. I mean, she was being proactively interrupt us <laughs> she was like in interrupting this, I think, because remember, she was down there before and. 
Magnus okay. came down, you know, remember Mar Francisca came downstairs. Right, Marta right, hasn't right. had any action. She's like, I'm not going to, not about <laughs> this at all. Magnus um, does look concerned though. Like when um, she mentions that um, she has to watch Elizabeth because her parents haven't been around. Like they make a point to cut to Magnus and he's got like the concerned look on his face. So point one for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, we talked about before how he's taking his responsibility of big brother perhaps a little more seriously than he did before. With good reason. <laughs> yeah. So Magnus decides it's time to go all Scooby gang and visit the caves for himself. <laughs> yep. Since he can't have makeup sex with Francisca, might as well make good use of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. He just kind of decides just kind of out of the blue. Because right before this, they were just laying on the couch, like, you know, with their heads hanging. And mm -hmm. then the two of the, these two ladies show up and then he's like raring to go on an adventure. So I don't know. Good yeah. on you, Magnus. Yeah. Well, I think before he was kind of sulking about Francisca. And now okay, he's like, okay. he's like, all right, now that I know, now that that's sort of taken care of, now I can turn my attention to this other issue. Oh yeah. Good call. Okay. But just, I mean, it's good. It's like, they don't dwell on their arguments, apparently, you know, they're, <laughs> they're both a little sulky about it. I mean, Magnus still didn't really say, I'm sorry, you know, but Francisca's made her, yeah. um, made her opinion clear now and he can either get in line or not. <laughs> so, all right, so we're then in 1921. Jonas wakes up and finds he's in a strange bed. We're really happy to see that his wounds have been tended to, especially yes. that neck wound, which was just oozing Ugh. pus. And, you know, so. That's why I was saying I don't remember it looking that bad in 1953. I mean, in 2053. But then when he comes to the God particle and comes into this time, mm -hmm. it looks nasty. It looks bad. Yeah. So his leg and his neck are are looking oh. a little better, and yeah. and the room is now okay. Now I I'm not sure I got this right, but when I saw this setup, the room looks a lot like his bedroom. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> his, like it could have been. Bedroom. I think that was. I think it's intentional. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. We know they use like parallelism and mirroring, mirroring in the show. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the hotel didn't look exactly like the Conwald house, but they maybe just made the structure similar, <laughs> or maybe it's in the same location. You know, um, maybe it's typical German architecture too. Yeah. So it's got that A-line roof over a bed on the left side of the room. A voice <laughs> from the from the darkness informs mm -hmm. him that he's been <laughs> sleeping for twenty four hours, and Jonas realizes he's not alone. We have Teen Noah in a chair by the bed, waiting for Jonas to wake up. Yeah, sitting and there just waiting and watching him. So creepy. Yeah, I mean, this is what adult Noah did too, right? He would just sit next to Mickle's bed. Oh, yeah, that's right. For little kids to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing. So he's using a sharp knife to clean his fingernails, as you do. I mean, I do that all the time. See, it's pragmatic. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Noah says that he expected him to look different. Hmm. 
<laughs> which is a little <laughs> odd statement, right? Yeah, it absolutely is when you first meet somebody. <laughs> yeah, Jonas has no idea what this means. Noah just smiles and leaves the room. <laughs> I mean, we know he's a creepy dude. He's just he's just he's just like showing creepy younger Noah. He's so swarmy. He gives me total like Joffrey Baratheon vibes, like that <laughs> smile. It's he's a real creep, real creep. Yeah, he's got like a slash over his face. He's got the oh, the true. showrunners love to put these little scars and stuff on their mm-hmm. face. Um, I think they have a makeup artist friend. They're trying to keep a job <laughs> in. So, <laughs> um, Jonas looks around and notices a picture on the wall that looks familiar. He recognizes the words Sigmundus create Creatus Est. He actually has to say it out loud. Sigmundus Creatus Est. <laughs> and um, with this new sense of energy, Jonas pulls on his clothes and grabs a lantern and he walks out of the inn with young Agnes sweeping the floor malevol- malevolently. That's right. <laughs> like she's trying to sweep all the evil out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> or she all the good out of the room because she's evil. I don't know. She's not evil. She's a little girl. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't talk about her like this. But Jonas, though, yeah, he got excited because he was like, oh, yeah, Sick Mundus already exists. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a chance. And hmm. so, yeah, I think it's really neat the way he's driven to action there. Because, um, I mean, yeah, he sees a way out. This is like an opportunity for him to get back where he needs to be or at least a slight chance. I didn't put that, I didn't put that together, but yeah, that's, you know, he must've been like, oh yeah, the door, you know, so now I'm going to go and look for the caves. Mm-hmm. I want to just shout out this actor who plays, who plays Noah. I know you're talking about Jonas and, and mm-hmm. say as much as you want about, no, no, about <laughs> Jonas, but teen Noah, I really like this actor. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really enjoy is that his, his real this actor's real name is Max Schimmelfennig. So he's okay. got the name of the Fennig coin in his last name. Oh, neat. Okay. He is I was a just Fennig. like, isn't that perfect? That I is. mean, <laughs> um, that just shows what an important word that is to the German people, you know, that they made a Fennig coin and his last name is Schimmelfennig. Yeah. Um, in real life, but their their interactions here, yes. Um, so it's obvious that Teen Noah's got a little bit of a information advantage upon right. Jonas, right? He's like, I mm-hmm. thought you would look different, so he's been expecting him. Um, so he's lording he's lording his knowledge over Jonas, like maybe mm-hmm. like he's like, oh yeah, like because he knows the power dynamic of the future. Mm-hmm. So here he's like, oh, I have the upper hand, so. That, that was just kind of my take on it. And yeah, yeah. he he is a, he is a great actor because I'm I'm positive that this this guy is not as swarmy and as crappy as he seems. <laughs> like so he has such a punchable face too. Um like <laughs> and I love mm-hmm. actors like this. They're my favorite actors generally. Like um like Will Poulter for example. He's a classic, like, he's my buddy. I told you this before. We've shared the screen before. Um, but he's yeah. got that same look, that punchable face. Like, you just can't, like, in Midsummer, he was so detestable, but he was my favorite character. Yeah, he has the face of an asshole. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a very handsome asshole, but an asshole nonetheless. <laughs> so we're now in 2020. The 1980s Claudia approaches the gate of the wind and power plant. She asks if she can speak to Claudia Tiedemann, perhaps hoping to see that older version of herself. A very bored security guard. Where did they find this guy, Steve? Informs her that Alexander Tiedemann is in charge now. There's only one Tiedemann. It's Alexander Tiedemann um, is kind of the, the feeling I'm getting from him. But Claudia looks really surprised, but she doesn't ask to see Alexander, which she could have. Right, but, right. Um, she had... Perhaps no idea, you know, actually we know she doesn't have any idea now that Regina would marry Alexander. So this is a surprise to her, like why he's going by her last name. Right. Yeah, sure. Like, I don't remember having any kids. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I think that she she was hoping to find herself there, um, an ally. And this guy was not an ally. But I think it's funny that she just like walked up to the gate with that big old suitcase. It's like, <laughs> see, it looks like somebody like in a disguise getting ready to bomb the nuclear power plant. Those people should be on high alert. If someone in suitcases, a trench coat, big red puffy hair, and a big suitcase walks towards <laughs> your power plant. I, I think that's alarming. <laughs> <laughs> I guess probably people don't go up to the the power plant that often. I don't, I, I, w- I would be alarmed, and like <laughs> the, we see her later on, like walking down the street and walking in the woods, and same. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, there goes some a weird person with a bomb. I think. Okay, let him go. That's true. No one's following her around like they did Ulrich. I mean, nobody's nope. like chasing her down. No. How unfair is that? Yeah, okay, I tell so you. Then, yeah. Just because she's dressed nicely or whatever, and she's a woman. So inside the power plant, Clausen is questioning Alexander about his interactions oh. with Ulrich. <laughs> this scene made me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Say more. Oh, just Clausen, just the way he like just takes over the room and the the way he questions um Alexander here and the way he's going through his stuff, like peeking through his computer, picking up pictures, sitting in his chair, spinning around. I don't know. It was just pissing me off to no end. I, it was pissing everybody off. Even Waller didn't like it. I didn't, I like, okay. I must've totally missed the fact that he was picking up his stuff and going through his computer. Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. He was. Way to intimidate people, I guess. But Alexander's, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Alexander didn't call his security guard or anything. He's a cool cucumber this whole time <laughs> through. Yeah, especially when how Clothian's like, one more thing. And then he walks to the middle of the room and just stares right at him in front of his face. And Alexander just stares right back. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh, and that one more thing was like, you know, why did you take your wife's name? And he has yeah. a pretty solid answer. You know, mm-hmm. I think the answer is legit, which is like, wants to keep that name alive yeah. in the town. But then he finds out, you know, his uh, quote unquote last name is Kohler. Mm-hmm. And then he does the super cool. This is where Clausen like really went off the rails where like 
he knew what he was doing when he asked Waller, who are we going to be interviewing next? He knew what he was doing. So somehow he knows, does he know what Hannah knows? Cause it sure seems like he was like showing off that piece of information to Alexander, like check out where we're going next. We're talking to Hannah. That's true. He did make a point of saying the next place we're going yeah. is Hannah. Although, you know, I, again, this is a, this is a thing on this watch, mm-hmm. which is what my like fourth watch or something. Um, I noticed this. Oh, well maybe he's saying that because of the blackmail, but it was sort of, it's sort of like, it could also be just a coincidence and then it happened, you know, it just happens to be like further bad news. Um, but I mean, Clausen does seem to know quite a few things, right? Like he knew that mm-hmm. he knew that the stranger went and talked to Regina, you know, it's like, right. he does seem to know an awful lot of facts that he shouldn't necessarily know. So Anything he was making possible. Waller uncomfortable too. Waller was really uncomfortable. That that's what that's one of the things I said. This, this scene was making me sick to my stomach because I yeah. knew that Waller was like kind of like a double agent here. So I was very nervous for him. I was mm-hmm. very nervous what would come out, or <laughs> and he looked yeah. really nervous as well. And they talked about that door. Um, I like the way Alexander like answered that question when they mentioned the door and the caves. Yeah. Um, and first off, Alexander like shoots down any theory that the kid, he's like, there's no way it's just, it just wouldn't happen. But that door was installed in the eighties and it's been sealed shut. And I like the yeah. way he answered it because it sounds like he was telling the truth, but he just left out a key piece by me. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gave, he likes, I mean, he sounded very responsible. Like he knows what's going on. He knows about the door. Right. And it was it was welded shut. You mentioned what he um, he also they also talk about how no one in the town ever leaves. This is what Clausen mm-hmm. says. No one isn't it interesting how no one ever leaves. And Alexander agrees, but speculates that there's no cause to leave since the power plant was a good source of income for many families. And now that the power plant is closing, that may not be the case anymore. Um, he also mentions that he, Alexander, arrived in 1986, around the mm-hmm. time the boys disappeared. Clausen says, no, it was a little after that. And Even Alexander says it was a little after that, yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, inf- a yes. lot of info goes yeah. down in this scene yeah. here. Um, yeah, Alexander says it was a little after that. You're correct. Um, but he, um, you know, you mentioned that why he took Regina's last name, but I don't think we actually said it. Um, but it was to preserve the family name. Regina's an only child. Mm-hmm. The Tiedemans are important to the city. And, and we didn't want the name to die with her. Yeah. And I thought that makes sense for a man that loves his wife as much as Alexander does. So I have no doubt that that's probably very true that they had this discussion and came up with this plan, the two of them. I think Regina probably does know about his past, but the two of them came up with this together oh. as this is the legitimate reason. Hmm. Um, this is 
this is my speculation, Steve, but it's like, I think they came up with a legitimate explanation, the two of them, because I, I mean, she saw he was okay, shot okay. and took care of him. So Right. Well, he had, a, he had a passport, which is a valid ID anywhere you go in the world. Mm-hmm. So he was Alexander Cooler. But yeah, you, you're, you are right. She knows that he was shot. She knows he came into town wielding a gun. He's not exactly innocent. So yeah, they, yeah, I'm sure they had that conversation because they, they are tight, tight as thieves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're now at the Conwald house. Stranger Jonas is still questioning Hannah about the gun and passport. Hannah mentions it's an insurance policy. Stranger Jonas realizes, oh, she's blackmailing somebody and says, who are you? And then Hannah says, who are you? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Good question. She's not going to be um, questioned by her son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then the knock at the door turns out to be Charlotte Doppler. Against Stranger Jonas's wishes, Hannah has called her to share the news. Right. And it was not exactly clear, and still isn't, honestly, what Hannah's motive is here. I've got a, a really strong suspicion that Hannah is just simply trying to help Charlotte find Ulrich because she knows that, you know, Charlotte and Ulrich were mm, detectives okay. and he's missing. Charlotte's looking for him. So if she helps, then she'll find Ulrich because Hannah even mentions Ulrich in this exchange here too. Because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, he's Jonas and he can help, help us find my Jonas no, help us find Nickel and Ulrich. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's what she's angling for. Because remember, like that's what she really that's why she's blackmailing. What's his name? Alexander. That's her last words to Ulrich was like, "You, you ain't seen the last of me. I'm gonna get you," <laughs> or <laughs> something along make, those lines. Make her words come true. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, this is a I think this is an Ulrich move here. Yeah. Uh, could could be could be. I think. She also knows that Charlotte um, is very level-headed and helpful, so um, that could be it, too. She has a reputation around town, being a cool (laughs) chick. (laughs) She introduces Charlotte to the older Jonas. Charlotte realizes he was the man who visited Regina at the hotel and doesn't miss a beat. She shows him that old Sigmundus photo and points to Noah's picture, who is this man? Because that is what Charlotte has been looking for. So here's her opportunity to get at the bottom at what she wants to know. Right. He tells her the man's name is Noah and the group is called Sigmundus or the Travelers. Charlotte knows it's all about time travel and now it's Hannah's turn to feel left out. <laughs> and how could Charlotte know and not tell her? And then Charlotte says they both need to see something. Right. You need to see my vision board. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, sometimes you just got to get the right people in the room together because Charlotte is the right person to show up here to connect some dots with Jonas and Hannah. Mm-hmm. And I love how she shows in the picture. And, you know, we see the same picture we've always seen. And it's obvious that's Adam sitting there front and center. Mm-hmm. Jonas doesn't point him out though. Doesn't right. say, Oh, that guy that you're pointing at, that's Noah. 
that's all I'll tell you for now. <laughs> <laughs> that's all really Charlotte cared about. But yeah, this is a case where everybody's, um, you remember when Clausen was talking about all the 10 people with the elephant? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. He, everybody's. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly Everybody's right. Got like, a different like piece of the puzzle to bring in, but I do love how Charlotte, you know, she isn't freaking out at all about this. She's just like, "Oh yes, you're the man that I've been looking for." Maybe I mean, Charlotte's probably happy. You know, she doesn't. Yeah. It, <laughs> unlike everybody else, who's like, "What? What are you talking about? Time travel?" You know, this doesn't phase Charlotte at all. So she's she is she's a cool chick. Yep. Yeah, and this is what this is what she's been looking for is more clues. So mm-hmm. that's why we're saying we're getting these people together to get this elephant figured out. So yeah. these are the perfect perfect folks to team up here. <laughs> we now cut to the Wind and Caves. The teen team of Magnus, Marta, <laughs> Francisca, and Elizabeth enter the caves. Elizabeth is really nervous, but Francisca tells her to stick with her. That's right. Elizabeth says, Yoinks! Four kids disappeared in there, Scoob! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I don't blame her being nervous. She's the only one who's like level-headed enough to be like, people disappear in there and that's where you want to go. I'm kind of with Elizabeth, but if that that was the case, then the story wouldn't go any further. So I'm glad they're doing their thing. I mean, I think they all were nervous because I remember watching this. I see them all kind of kind of look at each other and Magnus is like, OK. And then Marta, they all kind of look, you know, Unsure. but it, but they're just like, hey, here we are. This is better than um, this is better than what we've been doing, which is just sitting around with no information at all. Right, right. OK. But I, I was kind of surprised a little bit that Elizabeth is, you know, she's usually so sassy and as she seems like she's down for anything. But right. I mean, she's like, you want to go in there when this is where all the kids went missing? You know, her boyfriend, Yasin, is missing. So it was nice to see Elizabeth for once actually acting like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I was thinking too, like imagine being a deaf kid and then you want to go into a cave where mm. you could possibly lose your sight as well. And that would be pretty terrifying. Yeah. We cut to the Winden Library. Right. This is all you here, man. <laughs> so Claudia asked the librarian how she can access the town's history. And Claudia is so funny with this, this interaction. She's just like, um, excuse me, can you please show me how can I find out about the town's history? Um, <laughs> you know, here she is, the the queen, the queen of the town, right? But this guy doesn't seem to know who she is at all. No, nope, he's not bowing before <laughs> her. Why not? <laughs> the librarian tells her that all of those files have been digitized, of course. And <laughs> she goes back and goes back to his task. And Claudia then asks, well, how do I get that? And get 
you introduced the digital age real quick and seems to pick it up pretty quick too, which was very amusing because <laughs> yes. um, I think it took me about 10 years to get used to the digital age, Steve, and using operating a computer, but Claudia just needs a, a one little like <laughs> lesson there. <laughs> oh, she's got the power of TV on her side. I mean, <laughs> you haven't seen Severance, but there's a character in Severance. Like yes, one of the I themes have. of Severance. I've seen Severance. Oh, you have seen Severance. Yes. Oh, great. Have you seen the whole season? Yes. Okay. So like, yeah, episode seven, there's one of the characters and one of the whole things about the show, well, Lindsay knows, but maybe, maybe some other people don't is that there's these characters that they only exist inside of their office. And they have another part of themselves that is their real selves out in the real world, but their office selves are strictly confined to the office. There's a character named Irving, and he somehow gets on the outside, and he's out there in the outside world, and he finds himself in a car, which he has never been in in his life, and he somehow manages to turn the car on, back it in reverse, and then follow a map and then drive clear across town with no incident whatsoever, never having sat in a car before. So that's immediately what I thought about when I saw her punching at that, that tablet and she was like <laughs> going for the icons and knows how to use the search bar and digging up information. And I was like, wow, she's a, yeah. she's a natural at this. And this must've been really convenient for the plot. Cause that would suck for us to watch like four episodes of Claudia learning <laughs> how to operate a tablet that'd be really boring tv <laughs> i did appreciate how at least they like did, were a little realistic on how she was hitting those buttons like she was really <laughs> stabbing them powerfully yes. when it's not that not necessary to use that much force um but That's that right. was realistic at least <laughs> yeah it was but yeah steve this this scene always like bothered me just a little bit because um sure you know, I'm a librarian and we are not like this at all. I just want to tell everybody, if you come and get help at the library, we are not snooty or unhelpful. We always want to help. We're approachable. So don't believe the depictions of librarians <laughs> that you see in TV or movies, please. We're some of the nicest people and helpful people you'll ever meet. I promise. I've had nothing but positive library. I was a library kid. I would get to school early and I would, you could either hang out in the cafeteria or you could hang out in the library and the library is where I always chose to go. This is pre-internet. Mm -hmm. So that's where all the fun stuff was. Librarians were always friendly, always helpful. <laughs> and like through college, uh, well, like J Sarge, which is kind of like a community college around here. That's what the librarians did was they were there to be helpful. And I don't remember any being snooty as this dude is and like <laughs> just kind of leads her to the computer room and just waves a hand and just leaves. Doesn't, you know, a real librarian would be like, oh, this is our tablets over here. This is how you turn it on. Do you need some help with this? Do you, what were you looking up? You know, that's what they would be doing. But this guy is just too busy alphabetizing, <laughs> alphabetizing <you know. laughs> his journals, yes. his bound journals. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but this is kind of a funny scene, all in all. So I, I appreciated them putting putting it in the show, right? Yeah, I knew you would. It's a library. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just like for me, the draw was creator getting that creator album in there, and like that really like hammered it home for me. And then for you, it's like here, I'm a, I'm I'm right at home in the library. This is great. Yeah. I mean, she was, they weren't, they weren't operating the microfiche like, like Charlotte was before. 
but this is but this is pretty close um but she um she starts a search for some facts about the city of Winden. We're going to pick up with her a little bit later with this scene, but did you have anything else to say about it? This Oh, uh, the first thing she did was Google herself. I mean, <laughs> that's Claudia. You're <laughs> You're so full of yourself, right? Is that the first thing you would do if you got on a computer is to Google yourself? Maybe if I've been gone for <laughs> maybe, if, maybe if I just time traveled thirty three years. I mean, I would probably look up where the McDonald's was, but um, you might look up where the Wawa is. You know? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So, did they show some of the things that she's looking up, or does that come later? It's come, it comes a little bit later on. Okay, well, I'll keep my mouth shut then. <laughs> so then, oh yeah, she does find out in this scene. Okay, so before that, she does, before we cut away, she does uh, find out that her older self disappeared in 1987 after being named the first woman to ever run the power plant. So that is in this first scene here. Right. And yeah, I was concerned that like she would be disappeared from this point on, but we see her later on Mm -hmm. um, going home and kissing her daughter on the cheek. So yeah, so she hasn't disappeared yet, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be coming soon. Yeah. So then Clausen and Wooler in the car. <laughs> Clausen asks Wooler what he knows about Hannah. Wooler tells him the sad facts about Michael hanging himself and reports also that Hannah might have had an affair with Ulrich. And right. Wooler also asks, uh, Wooler himself ask Clausen why he took the job to come to Winden. Like, how did he get the job? And we find out that Clausen was not assigned. He volunteered for this job. Oh, yes. Did you volunteer? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I like how in German, too, he said, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And that's like the exact same thing in English as this is German. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that they were they were sitting in front of Hannah's house here because mm-hmm. um, they had an appointment with Hannah to right. talk, but then Hannah's dodged them because she's uh, mm. we found out she's hanging out somewhere else later on. Waller says something along the lines of uh, how Hannah could have had anybody in town she wanted because she was so beautiful, but mm-hmm. she chose Michael, which kind of everybody thought that was weird that she would choose him. I don't know why. Maybe he wasn't a a great catch. We don't know, really know much about him at this point other than that he was cool when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, he says something along the lines of he's pretty sure that she was involved with Ulrich, but he doesn't know. Waller doesn't know any confirmation about that. He's not giving us any clear information, just rumor. Yeah. This, it was an, that was an odd thing for, for him to say. I think for Waller to say it was like, oh, well, she, could she have had you? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. He okay, thinks she's, she thinks he thinks she's very pretty, obviously. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess she is like the only brunette in town. There's like everybody else is either like strawberry blonde or blonde or red. And I haven't this seen anybody else with brown Germany. hair. <laughs> That's right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, Marta. Okay, all right. Yep, Marta yeah. as well. She's Agnes. In there. I mean, well, you mean in this time period. I got, I got you, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So then um, the bunker near Helge's house, Stranger Jonas and Hannah examine the murder board that Charlotte has made. (laughs) And she, Hannah, is lingering on the photo of Ulrich announcing that, is this man a child murderer (laughs) from the 1950s? That seems to be like the most compelling piece of evidence. Yeah, that's, I mean, she, there's the pictures of Mikkel too, but that's, I mean, of course, this is the picture that Hannah is most interested in. Sure. Um, Because we also got a drawing of Noah, like, that Mm -hmm. says like, who is Noah and stuff like that so it's not it's not necessarily the most compelling but for hannah it's the most compelling for sure right well i think it's like i think it's concrete because there's the picture of noah but it's just a drawing yeah and then there's what what is the picture of mickel that's like because i think it's like it's a news it's the news story that um about him going missing Okay, well, if it's a picture of Mickle in that story and it's 1986, then that's also a smoking gun, too. I didn't see that. Like, I, I was just thinking this picture of Ulrich is like, it's very concrete because it was printed in the paper and it's 1953 and yeah. it's definitely Ulrich. But yeah, if there's a the picture of com- Mickle. Yeah, it's the most compelling piece thing about, um, well, it might have been Mads. It was either Mads or Mickle, but I mean, you're right. Like, they all know Oryx from the from the present, and yet he's in this picture from this news story from the 1950s. So that's pretty com- concrete. Um, Peter Doppler is there too. Yeah, sitting quietly in the corner. Yes. <laughs> well, he's not so quiet. Uh, he he's he's quick to fill in. He wants to be helpful now yes. that he can talk to people. He informs Hannah that <laughs> Claudia told them he and Trant exactly what to do and what would happen. It was all written in that little book and that there are some pages missing. Hannah is still upset that Charlotte withheld this information from her. And then she wants to know if Katerina knows and Charlotte agrees it's time to tell her. Yeah, it's interesting that Hannah's mind went there. Um, I guess she's thinking, you know, why didn't she tell me? And then she's like, well, wait, you didn't even tell his wife either. She's definitely got to know. So I guess that, you know, that kind of makes sense. It's just interesting to me that Hannah's mind turned to like, you got to tell Katerina, just knowing their history. Mm-hmm. And I liked how Peter said that the pages were ripped out of the book and that the book is also full of uh, symbols and tables that we don't understand. I thought that was mm-hmm. neat. I wanted to see, I wanted to see them. Yeah. I don't know. Like it is with Hannah. It is interesting that she, her mind goes to like, does Katerina know? It's hard to see. Like she's shown she has a malevolent spirit. We already know she wants to get revenge on Ulrich and destroy his life and basically Mm -hmm. eradicate him. Um, So even if she's trying to be, I don't know, maybe she's trying to ingratiate herself to Katarina as as part of that, you know, because she's, yeah, it's, I'm just like. Another, it, no, yeah. I, I agree. It's like another piece of the puzzle to find Ulrich. It's like Hannah's mm-hmm. trying to grasp any puzzle piece she can, even if it's Katarina. 
So then back at the library, Claudia is doing more research about her family. She finds the news about her daughter's marriage to Alexander and the announcement about Regina opening the Wald Hotel Winden. I noticed this is the name <laughs> on the thing. She then turns her attention to her father, Egon, and is devastated to find out that her father was found dead in his apartment on June 26, 1987. Okay, during this show, it's June 24th. It's during June 24th today, so it's a couple days, but it's not very far off. <clears throat> yeah, that's sad news, of course. She's getting all, she's getting all kinds of bad news. Yeah. And I got some bad news, too, when she was looking at that those clippings, because it said the, the Walden Hotel opens. And then the next clipping said the Walden Hotel closes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that happening. Did that happen like in between like season one and season two during that six month period between like November and June? Well, remember how there wasn't anybody working. I wasn't getting any customers. The only customer she had was a stranger. Yeah. And um, she couldn't, she was trying to get negotiate with the bank so it's now been, you know, that was like, what, November? So it's now June. Yeah. So in that time. So geez. we're learning now that the hotel is closed, I guess. Yeah. it's It's gone out of business. There hasn't. Okay. It, the business has not picked up. But yes, this, this is new information to us too. That's what I wanted to make sure because <laughs> it was new to me. <laughs> so the next few scenes are very interspersed together. They cut between them a lot. So we have Jonas in 1921, the teen group in 2020, and the adults in 2020. Mm -hmm. So with Jonas, he travels to the caves and tries to find the Sekmundus tunnel. Things look different, but he manages to make his way where that portal should be with the divisions, one, you know, going to the left and to the right. Only he's met with a sheer rock wall. When he opens that Sigmundus door, there's no wind blowing because right. the the um the tunnel has not been completed yet. Right. I noticed the lack of wind and I was like, oh no, Jonas, I don't think yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's working today, buddy. I'm so sorry. He was mad. He was real mad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I would be upset too. It's like this is this is pretty terrible. Yeah, like what hope could he have that he'll find any sort of time machine portal thingy in this time frame? He's probably like out of, he thinks he's out of luck at this point. Yeah. Get to work. Get your little pickaxe. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even think about that. Yes, that's what he should be doing. Um. Yeah, so as far as the teens, they are inside the caves with only their mother's map and a flashlight. They're searching as best they can when Elizabeth realizes the ground is shaking. Someone else is in the caves. That someone turns out to be Bartosh, holding his own flashlight and a suitcase with a time machine. Right. Um, this could be, could you could sit there and stop and think about, okay, how many time machines do we have now? Because there's one with Claudia, Bartosh has another, Stranger Jonas has a machine because he was, he had taken Hannah, so they have right. a machine in the house. 
Um, but this, again, this might be the same. It might not be different time machines. It might be the same time machine, right. but yes. with in different periods of time that they just, you know, so it's, yeah. Well, there's England's, two periods of time that overlap. The yeah. teens in 2020 and then Stranger Jonas has it now too. But mm -hmm. the you said the ground was shaking and Elizabeth could feel it better than anybody else. I think that's a pretty strong indication that Bartosh was using the time machine was time traveling because like the ground shakes and does that weird stuff when people are traveling. Mm. So I think that Bartosh okay. was using the time machine just came back from traveling. Okay. So that mm. is why the time machine exists because Jonas and Hannah have it, but he just came from some other time. So that's mm -hmm. why there's two time machines, same time machine, but it came from two different time periods. Mm-hmm. So, um, when they see him, they're very upset because, and suspicious of him because they've right. been left out of everything. So they are, um, they're just suspicious of him. He's carrying this suitcase. He won't tell them what it is or why he's in the caves. Right. And Marta's already really disappointed in Bartosh for being a bad boyfriend. So it's just a formula <laughs> for violence. <laughs> They yeah, tie Magnus him is up. like, yeah, yeah. Magnus is mad, I guess, thinking he has something to do with Mikkel and his dad. So that's where Magnus is coming from. He's like, you know, thinking that Bartosh is tied in with that somehow. Yeah, this was hard to watch because I mean, Magnus and Bartosh are supposed to be friends, right? Um, but you know, he was he was suspicious of Francisca before. But he certainly mm. never beat up on her. You know, he tried to push her around a little bit and then he decided <laughs> to screw her. But, um, you know, they it's just, um, I don't know, I felt bad for Bartosh here because they tie him up, beat on him and then just leave him there. Yeah, that was really out of the blue. I didn't like that decision at all either. Uh, no matter yeah. how much you don't like somebody, don't leave them tied up in a cave in the dark. I mean, they left him a flashlight, but that thing's going to go out in like 45 minutes, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of surprised he didn't crack at this point. I mean, he's pretty upset. He could have said, come back, I'll tell you what it is. You know, but right. he, yeah. he doesn't. So he's he's very intimidated or nervous about telling anybody about the thing I'm sure for a good reason, like he's been sworn to secrecy or something. Yeah. He's been hanging out with Noah. So I bet Noah's probably said something like if you run into anybody or blah, 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 it could screw up the whole time continuity. So don't yeah. you dare say nothing, you know, yeah. probably laid some kind of fear in his mind. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, maybe he's been, he's like getting bullied by Noah too. So he's getting bullied by everybody. Possible. Um, so yeah, with Bartosh, you know, here, his mother's dying from cancer. Um, he fell in love with Marta. She likes another person. He's been dumped. <laughs> he doesn't have any friends. And now his ex-girlfriend is just like, sure, beat him up and leave him here. <laughs> so Martha's kind of taking control here. Um, she's telling everybody what to do and like giving all direction. Mm -hmm. Like ever since Bartosh showed up, that's when she took control. And so now she's in control of the group. Yeah.
In the adult storyline, Charlotte brings Katarina to the bunker and lets her in on the time travel secret. <laughs> Katarina's not also not looking healthy here. <laughs> She's very golem like. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in the car. She's got like her eyes are red. She's just like, what is it, Charlotte? What are you? You know, she well, thinks the worst, of course. Well, this is a strike against Charlotte because Charlotte assured us in the last scene. She was like, we need to tell Katarina, but let me be the one to tell her. Charlotte does a really crappy job of telling her like in the car, she's just kind of leading her along. And then she's all like, well, you need to see this stuff. So Charlotte is not a good person to, <laughs> to relay information to others. Just keep a note of that. <laughs> Katarina's trying to make sense of it all. She comes, she's led down to the bunker. She's really pissed at Hannah. Doesn't want to hear anything from Hannah. Of course. And she doesn't take the news well and assumes they're all playing a prank. Jonas tries to assure Katarina that Charlotte is telling the truth. Katarina just laughs and asks if he's Hannah's new lover. <laughs> I love that part because she goes, oh, another one. Who are you? Her new, her new lover? Her new boy toy like, is what she says. <laughs> yeah. Well, that must have been the English translation, Steve. Oh, yeah. That. I think it might have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Jonas says, I'm Jonas, her son, your grandson. I mean, that should be in the epic lines from the show. She does an epic performance here, Katarina. I mean, mm -hmm. I love this scene. And I love her energy. Like, you can feel her energy in this room and like her just disdain for Hannah and her daggers at her. I, there's a lot of revelation here and there's a lot of her grappling with stuff. And just like I was saying before, she needs to see things for herself to believe it. Cause she's not a true believer mm -hmm. at this point at all. But, um, I don't know. She really brought some life to the bunker. I would say. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, she's Katarina's always been tough, right? I mean, she's a tough cookie. Yeah. She's... That's why I was scared. She was going to jump on Hannah and start, Wailing on her. <laughs> I mean, Hannah's lucky it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I could I could be wrong about this, but it did feel a little bit like stranger Jonas was trying to stick up for his mom too a little bit because Hannah oh, yeah. tries to say something and then Katarina's ready to jump on her and then Jonas is like, that's when he stands up and says, mm -hmm. she's telling the truth. Um, but yeah. I, just, I noticed that too. I like that. Yeah. I liked the whole, I liked the whole interaction on everybody. And then when she leaves, she ends up running out of the bunker and Peter just kind of puts his forehead in his hands at the end. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just a perfect, a perfect scene here. It's cool that two of the people in this little group here are um, Peter and, and Charlotte. I think it's kind of neat how, you know, they were like estranged before and they, you know, now they're working together and maybe mm. they're not like, you know, I, I don't know what their personal relationship is being like now. Probably not great, but they have something they're doing here together, which is good. I yeah. thought it was interesting. I loved listening to how they say each other's names in the show. So like they say, like I always say Charlotte, Char, it's like I emphasize the Char, but they say it the opposite. They say Charlotte. They like emphasize the Lut a lot 
instead. So like when they say Charlotte, they're saying Charlotte. Like it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard not to hear it because I'm so wanting to hear that char sound and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Just more German lessons for me. I don't know. I yeah, love watching yeah. stuff in other languages. <laughs> German <language>. lessons. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so conclude to conclude this wild trilogy of of cuts, Clausen asked Wooler how he lost his eye. Ooh, All of us are this. leaning in and waiting for bated breath. Yep. We want to know too, but the story is interrupted when Waller um, barely manages to stop himself from running over Claudia, who just <laughs> walks across the road in typical pedestrian mode without a care in the world. <laughs> One thing Waller said was he was starting to, when he started to tell the story, he said something happened last summer. Right. So whatever so- happened, happened last summer, Steve. Yeah, before we met him, because we met him, it was November mm-hmm. of um, 2019. So obviously something happened in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Come on, Waller. <laughs> I hope somebody <laughs> asks him next episode. We got we got to figure this out. I tried to make a thread and try to make a joke thread about what happened to Waller's eye, but nobody took the bait except for you and me and uh, and Curtis. And Curtis was vulgar about it. I had to shut him down. Oh, dang. (laughs) Yeah, I liked, I liked, um, you know, your answer about the Raider candy bar. That was pretty good. That the candy bar, like, enthusiastically went into his eyeball. Ah, that's a Simpsons (laughs) thing, I think. (laughs) So why didn't they follow Claudia? She was awfully suspicious looking. And Klaus and the way he is, you would think he would be jumping out like, what's this? You know? Yeah. I mean, you remember how... Egon was just driving her on that on that same road, right? And saw mm-hmm. Ulrich just crossing the street and he immediately started chasing him. Right. Yep. Because he knew yeah. something was out of place and he shouldn't have been there. And these guys, I mean, I guess they were so wrapped up in Waller's story, like all of us were. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're thinking about. Yeah. And then Clausen just says, I think he just says, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is all he says. Yeah. Um, so we still don't know what happened to Waller's eye. Not yet. (laughs) So then Katerina runs to the high school, searching frantically in the archives. She looks up the name Michael Conwell, finds his picture. There in the photo is her Mickle. And she's heartbroken. And we're wondering if she recognizes the little boy that she bullied so many years ago. Oh, good call. I wonder if she did. I don't know. But like you'd like to point out to me, Mikkel is the only one not smiling in this picture. Everybody mm-hmm. else is joyful. Yeah. And he's the only one who's not. This scene is very moving. It is. I, I'm hung up on the 6B thing. She's bawling <laughs> on the floor. She's... She's going for that Academy Award. And this is a really good scene. She is, um, she's seeing is believing. She didn't believe them down at the bunker, but seeing this with her own eyes, now she's going to go back and be part of the team, I think. She's going to go back and apologize to Hannah and shake her hand. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> and say, Jonas, my grandson, come here. Let me pinch your cheek. I don't think Maybe it's going to happen. Maybe not. But. <laughs> but I do appreciate her need to 
to discover things herself. Right. I would too. I think I would too. I would suspect that all those pictures were like, you know, photoshopped or mocked up or something. Yeah. But yeah, I always do wonder if she's, you know, obviously she recognizes him. He's her son, but it's like, does she remember how she used to push him around? Ugh. It's they they it's didn't go to really, school together very long, did they? I only saw one scene with the two of them together. There's two. There's at least two. When she okay. first meets him, when he comes into the school, and um, meets Hannah. <sighs> my heart is like breaking for her right now. She is like thinking about that. Like that is the kid. That's my son. Mm-hmm. And I was such a bully to him. Oh God. I hope I'm yeah. nice to everybody that I meet, just in case they're like. <laughs> just my in case child they're my the- child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So then, 1921, Jonas comes out of the caves. Young Noah is there and confirms his suspicions. <laughs> the tunnel is not open and will not be open for 32 years. Right. And now he has come <laughs> to take Jonas. To them. Right. Sick mundus. The travel. No, uh, travelers. Whispers it. Um, (laughs) Jonas follows Noah. He has no choice. He needs answers and help to get home. Back to the bunker. 2020. Stranger Jonas says that everything will happen as it always was. But Adam says there's a loophole. According to Jonas, Adam wants the last cycle to happen in three days. He, Jonas, plans to stop Adam. He looks at Claudia's picture and says she tried, but she became what she wanted to fight. So, um, yeah, I want to hear what you think about this scene. But basically, it's like, I guess this gives us a little bit of more of an indication about what Jonas's plan is at this point. I mean, he knows that the apocalypse is going to happen in three days. So it sounds like he's trying to take advantage of some sort of loophole that's going to be happening during that time to try to stop the apocalypse. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's what's confusing. Cause I'm, in my recap, I said he plans to stop Adam from finding the loophole. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I had that right or not. You know, Adam's everything will happen as it always was. But Adam said there's a loophole. So does that mean Stranger Jonas is going to stop Adam from finding the loophole or from making the loophole? Or <laughs> well, there's, whatever there's it is, be he some plans sort of to action. Stop. Yeah, yeah. He he has an action plan to stop something because he says everything happens as it should, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But we know he's trying to change things. Yeah, and it's interesting how he talks about Adam in the third person as well. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know now, it. it that's interesting to me. I guess it's, I don't know if that's something he's telling just everybody else or he's telling himself as well. I mean, we'll discuss it more later on, but I just think mm-hmm. that's very interesting how that, I mean, that, um, that piece of information, knowing this now, 
why he keeps referring to Adam in the third person. Why indeed, Steve? I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. What else did we find out here? She's, oh yeah, Claudia. Claudia mm-hmm. became what she wanted to fight. Yeah. I, I, try, I tried to piece that phrase together and I didn't quite understand. I mean, he gives her credence that she tried, but she became what she wanted mm-hmm. to fight. What did she want to fight? What did she become? Yeah. I Do mean, we know? In, <laughs> well, we can, we can speculate that she, you know, she was like, they're the darkness, we're the light. Right. Um, you know, either mm. we're either trying to stop time, we're either trying to like change time or we're trying to keep time going. So I think he's just, it is interesting because we've been kind of assuming he and Claudia are kind of teammates, mm-hmm. that they're on the same side, but it kind of sounds like here that his he feels his path diverges slightly from Claudia too. So they're right. not exactly on the same. I mean, he might have he might have found out something about Claudia that makes him feel suspicious, made him feel suspicious of her, and so they they parted ways. Okay, I guess we'll have to wait to see. Yeah, we're not supposed to know. We're just supposed okay, to know good. that, like, you know, that there's different there's different players and that. It's not maybe necessarily that there's just two teams now. There seems to be more than more than one team. Yeah, and we know more that than Claudia, two teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we know that Claudia, you know, died last episode. Like Noah shot her, but we also know that she was a time traveling mm-hmm. master, so mm-hmm. she could still pop up at any random time. She just can't pop up at any time, like. I guess she could pop up going forward in time because Jonas has popped up forward in time. And so is Ulrich. So on that, not Ulrich. Um, I know Jonas has, let's just leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. Jonas has gone forward in time. So I guess Claudia could have too. Um, I, my whole point is, is that even though she's died, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of her yet. Yeah. He thinks obviously he thinks Claudia's failed at what she tried to do. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. Whatever it was she did try, she failed to complete it. And so now uh, he, Jonas, has to take up the mantle. All right, go Jonas. Yeah, I like yeah. Stranger Jonas a lot, so <laughs> go forward, young man. All right, so then Claudia comes out of the cave in the 1980s. She's done traveling for today. And she's not disappeared yet. We know she disappears, <laughs> yes. but not today. We cut back to 1921. Young Noah brings Jonas to the church and out comes older Noah. Surprising Jonas with the realization that he is looking at two Noahs 33 years apart. Right. And I really liked how Noah says, I believe it's the older Noah says, pleased to meet you. Or maybe you've guessed who I am by now. And it was very like sympathy for the devil, you know, like, pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I remember what he said. He said, pleased to meet you. 
you have already made my acquaintance. And he gestures over to the younger version of himself. That's how he does it. And it, yeah, you're right. It is creepy. Well, f- well before that, he says something else oh. too. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to send it to you. But he's like, you know, yeah, he's, he says something before that. But yes, he does later say, you've already made my acquaintance. Um, right. So then- I'd be scared if I was Jonas right here. I'd be like, you guys are going to beat me up. What's going <laughs> What's going on? I mean, on he here? definitely does take a step back. Yeah. The last time Jonas <laughs> saw this dude, older Noah, which he didn't know his uh-huh. name at the time, he knocked him out, or he had Helge knock him out and brought him to the chair. That's right. So That's right. It's Noah's actions that put Jonas out of time. At that right. moment, right. Jonas was about to approach Mikkel, but that might have changed history. So Noah stopped him. Absolutely. Are we, um, oh yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go any further because yeah, you haven't gone further yet, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that is a neat, yeah. there's a neat point there that it is Noah's fault that Jonas is whacked out in time right now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he would still be in 1987 and he could have possibly taken that door back home. Perhaps. Nah, he tried that. It didn't quite work out. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe Jonas too like has that has maybe it looks a little more sense to Jonas now why young Noah says you I thought you might look different. Yep. <laughs> They've talked about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably a topic of conversation a lot. It's like, yeah, God, I keep hearing about this Jonas guy, Jesus. When am I going to meet him? And then he meets him. And he's like, you're really boring and lame. Yeah. <laughs> they really talked you up. Yeah. All right. So we have our interlude. The World Retreats by David O'Dowda. Let me During- give, uh, can I give him a little bit of praise and give okay. these interludes a little bit of praise? Just okay. maybe 30 seconds worth. Because we're watching another show right now called uh, The Morning Show. Jennifer Aniston, Steve mm-hmm. Carell. And it's it's not a bad show. I mean, it's not it's not my normal type type of show I watch. But they have musical interludes every episode, just like Dark, right around the same time that Dark has its interludes. And let me tell you, Dark interludes are superior to any other show I've seen, mm-hmm. and that's what drew me to the show. So when I have to watch these interludes on the morning show, and they're playing this like ostentatious, like corny music, like. What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. And there's like, you know, scenes of Jennifer Aniston doing her thing in some New York hotel or something. It, <laughs> it just doesn't ring true. It does, doesn't have any feeling to it. And it's mm-hmm. like, I need, I need other um, filmmakers to take notes from, from this crew here on how to do musical interludes because they do it correctly. And I think that's, I think that's what draws a lot of people to the show actually is, is the music that they include. The music's the music's good that they include, but it's more than the music too. But you're right. I mean, but I I don't know what it is, but it's just they make good use of that time. And they use I think they use powerful performers that. Um, I guess that's what drives me crazy about the other show is that like the, it, it's so blatant. Like they'll play like a like a train song or like a Blink One Eighty Two song. That's like so the the song the song is so like generic and like I love you so much and that's why I'm doing the things I'm doing. You know, 
and like these, the lyrics to these songs are, have so much more depth and just mm -hmm. emotion to them. And it's more about a mood than, mm -hmm. um, than yeah. anything else. So during this interlude, we see Bartosh tied up on the floor of the cave. Katarina looks at the pictures of her son. Her kids come in looking sad and worried. I thought at the time, I thought they looked sad and worried for their mom. But now mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, hmm. They, yeah, I don't know what their feelings were exactly, but um, they're not talking to her. <laughs> um, they could have said, we're glad you're back, mom. Um, but they just go up, <laughs> they kind of stare at her forlornly and then go upstairs. Yeah. Um, Katerina's processing things, so she isn't sharing. Elizabeth and Francisca look at the empty sofa, aware that their parents are still gone. All right. And then the Noahs, <laughs> this is like the Jonas brothers, the Noahs lead Jonas <laughs> through a series of caves. Claudia comes home to look at Regina sleeping on the sofa. And Clausen writes the name Alexander Kola on the evidence board. I uh, don't know why he didn't do that before, but the, <laughs> the one thing I noticed was really neat was the, uh, the elevator that they took down. I didn't realize that they were getting into like this really old fashioned old timey elevator from mm -hmm. the church. And that's what led them down to the caves. Like when I first watched this, I thought that they went through a door and another door and then they were in the caves, but instead mm -hmm. they took an elevator down to the caves, which is super cool that the yeah. caves are connected to this church. Yeah. Um, all right, 2053. The girl from the future is in the room where Jonas walked into the god particle. She walks outside and is confronted by an angry Elizabeth. She's real angry. <laughs> she got a she got a gun. <laughs> she got a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The girl from the future is no longer the obedient assistant. She demands to know what Elizabeth knows about the God particle. And Elizabeth signs, they say it's a piece of God, but it's a piece of the devil. I really liked this scene because I appreciated so much how the girl from the future comes out. Elizabeth's got the rifle. The girl from the future is like, I'm going to put all my stuff down so I can sign with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how I'm interpreting that. She's like, okay, I need to talk to you. She doesn't get all scared, you know, that she's just like, all right, I'm going to put this stuff down. And Elizabeth signs one handed. I'm just like, this girl's amazing. Yeah, that's right. She is. Yeah. She's dirtier than stranger Jonas could ever be. <laughs> uh, how does she get so dirty? <laughs> She's working hard, Steve. I guess. Working hard towards paradise. <laughs> I guess the thing that I appreciated was that it picked up right where we left off, right where Jonas stepped through the God particle and left the girl from the future there. Then we cut mm -hmm. right back to that exact same moment. So yeah, I, I, I really like that a lot, how they, they don't leave us hanging like what each person is doing. They go right back to it. And yeah, Elizabeth being really protective of this thing. I don't blame her for thinking it's part of the devil and, you know, saying these things, but where is she getting her directives from? Like, I have a feeling that there's somebody else involved 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like she's the one that's in charge of everything here to me. I mean, I guess she could be. I don't know. I have a feeling there's somebody above her. This is the, the vibe I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, she uses the words paradise. Right. And the, the people that talk about paradise are like Adam and Noah, but we haven't really seen. Oh. We, haven't, we haven't really seen her talking to Adam or Noah, but except, I mean, she talked to them when she was a little girl. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good scene though. Yes. I appreciate, I, I think, you know, I remember on my original watch, this isn't somebody I expected to see again. Right. Right. Um, yep. the girl from the future, she, she came across like a side character. Oh, she helped. No, he, she helped. She was just there to, for Jonas to like help him get to his next leg of the journey. Right. Mm-hmm. But they, um, remember I gave her like favorite character, um, mm-hmm. in that last episode. And it's like, yeah, I appreciate how these show people are like, you know, no character is really minor. They're, they're mm. like, we came back to see her and Elizabeth interact. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging that too. It's interesting how Elizabeth didn't have any muscle with her. It was just her. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that maybe nobody else except for her knows about that thing and has ever been inside there. That's just yeah. grappling out of nothing. But <laughs> Well, that's really true because, you know, every time we saw her, she was with the girl from the future. Mm-hmm. And we know the girl from the future had no idea, right? She had to get... Jonas to show it to her. That's right. Yep. Um, okay. So then 1921 young Noah talks to older Noah and wonders who wrote the book with all the prophecies. Older Noah has no answer, but states that whoever wrote it had seen the future and the past. This is a really good question because if the book is giving them guidance on what (laughs) that they follow, they must trust the source. But obviously neither one of them actually knows who wrote it. I mean, it reminds me of another book that I know about that nobody's really quite sure (laughs) who wrote it, but everybody follows it. Um, The Bible. I mean, there's no like one author that like, you know what I'm saying? It was given to them like... Um, by divine. Mm-hmm. Well, we know like the writers well, of the books for the most part. Well, of certain chapters, yes. Yes. <clears throat> um, okay, bad comparison. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, Steve. You're not. You're not alone in your in your opinion of that. Um, okay. So young Noah then asks, "What will happen next?" Old Noah says that Adam will send him Jonas so that the last cycle can begin. Older Noah, though, is also very distracted because he's looking at the missing pages. The missing pages that he lied to Adam about, right? Yes, yes. And now he's standing there in Adam's house with the pages and the lie right there on his face. That's interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I, I really thought that Noah was like an Adam man. Like they were like best <laughs> yeah. buddies, like we do everything together. And obviously that's not the case. So I'm really interested to see this, uh, this split, this division mm-hmm. here. Oh, one thing I meant to mention about this during the interlude, when the Noahs, the Noahs are going, they're leading Jonas through the caves and down the elevator and all that. When, um, when Noah, young Noah and young Jonas are talking before older Noah comes out, Jonas says, you're a traveler, right? You're in Sigmundus. And then young Noah says, not yet, but I will be. Right. So he's still an initiate of this whole thing. And during the winding journey down to Adam, the two Noahs are together, um, both accompanying Jonas. But at a certain point, Jonas goes through an older Noah closes the door on younger Noah. Right. There's like a certain level that he can't cross and can't know yet. Mm-hmm. So weird that it's like himself. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to put that into words, like just how bizarre that must be for the younger Noah, knowing that all the answers are right there. But Or I mean, that I, I, some of, you know, there's you're hiding things from yourself. And right. what reason would you have to do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess there's some things that you shouldn't know before it's time. Like I'm thinking of like little kids, like learning things that they shouldn't learn mm-hmm. um, that adults know about. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of along that line, but I guess when you're dealing with time travel and dealing with the travelers, there's probably some big stakes happening. Yeah. So they probably keep everything pretty tightly under wraps. So now we're in the great room, the great Sigmundus room <laughs> with the big painting. And we can mm-hmm. see the painting, the um, fall of the damned. We see the whole thing this time instead of just portions of it, which is what we were seeing before. Jonas right. comes face to face with Adam. Knowing Jonas will be disturbed by his scars, Adam shares that all the time travel took its toll on the body. The body is not meant to withstand so much radiation. And before the suits were invented, Adam did a lot of traveling through the mines. He doesn't say all this. I'm just, I'm narrating here. Um, Adam did a lot of travel through the mines with no protection. So then Adam asks Jonas if he's ready to begin, but Jonas is ready for this to end. (laughs) Typical kid answer. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of a typical kid answer, yes. Before you go on, I want to say that um, before Adam interrupted Jonas, Jonas was messing around with some of Adam's stuff. And some of the things that he was playing with was the um, parts of the time machine. It looked like it was um, pieces of the time machine, like not put together yet. Hmm. You can see some of those same like shiny golden kind of round thingies and other stuff around there that kind of resembled it oh okay so then Jonas asks who are you then Adam lands a doozy he mm-hmm. is Jonas eek ben do <laughs> and proves it by unbuttoning his shirt and showing Jonas the scar on his neck Jonas yes. takes a step back reeling from this news 
tears streaming down his face. And Adam ends by saying, everything is lined up, just needs a push. So we don't know what's going to happen, but it's likely that Jonas himself created the original portal as a means to get back. So he may be responsible for his own suffering. That's so neat. I mean, (laughs) he, first off, like he's, um, he's him. He's, he's, he's Adam. So we keep hearing stranger Jonas talking about Adam, but he talks about him in the third person. Like I said before, so he does he consider Adam a separate person from himself? I wonder. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously they look differently because of the radiation poisoning. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to see some of Jonas's characteristics or some of Stranger Jonas's characteristics in Adam. And mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it yet. He seems like a completely separate character to me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I've known totally about this, you, you and I, <laughs> what's that? I said, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. It's like, um, okay. in fact, yeah, it's like, it's enough of a, especially with all the characters in this show and how good of a job they do both physically and behaviorally with how they represent people. We've talked about it before, and this is so markedly different that there's this there's a temp, very strong temptation to not believe this reveal. Right. Sure, sure. And I yeah, I could see that. And this early in the show, like this we're like halfway through the season. So it almost seems like it could be like a red herring. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said it seems like a totally different character and I'm curious how he, they are going to time travel at this point because there is, as far as I know, no time machine back there and the portal isn't ready yet. There's no God particle, but this Adam fellow seems pretty confident. I guess it must be through one of those time machines because Noah has been traveling back and forth through time because I guess this is like where he keeps going back to. Mm-hmm. Like when we see Noah like talking to Bartosh in 2019. Yep. And then we see him talking to Adam. I guess he's going back to here. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's a good a good thing to suppose. Um so maybe he maybe yeah, so I guess maybe maybe Jonas can catch a ride with uh Noah next time he uh he time travels and I don't I I'm just curious yeah. how it's actually gonna go down. Yeah, he, um, I mean, a couple of things about this when, uh, at the end of when we had stranger Jonas reveal himself to young notice, he says the same thing, right? He mm-hmm. says, Eek Ben Du mm-hmm. in the room. And so now it's this turn. So, um, it's kind of a parallel of that, of that scene. But um, but like the implications of this must be must be horrible because Jonas has these has this dream, right? This dream of returning back home, maybe being with Marta. And here he um, if he's to believe this, his future is to be this wrinkly old dude one day. Right. I mean, right. You're, no you're cor- 
<laughs> yeah, you're correct to be dubious because that that makes a lot of sense. Like when we saw Stranger Jonas reveal himself to Jonas, it really made sense. And then you think back to like how their mannerisms are the same and they look the same. Mm-hmm. And these two, I mean, the, he has the the power of having like a wrinkly face. So you can't see his, you know, his features, but yeah, you're right. It, it is dubious. I <laughs> I'm really curious to see how it goes now that you mentioned that because they could just be like stringing him along this whole time because Jonas is still, you know, not in control of anything as a young man here. He's still just kind of going where he's being led and trying to get home, but he's not in control of anything. He's not assured of anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he has no no choice but to believe. And we've got... We know that characters keep secrets from each other. We have the diary with missing pages. Mm -hmm. There's all these characters with different agendas. So it's just the the ground feels really fresh for somebody to try to mislead Jonas because he's he's in this very precarious position, right? Like he has the ability to change the future. I mean, literally, all these characters really do, although maybe they don't. I don't know. We could argue about that. But it's like he's the teen, he's the teen Jonas, right? I mean, so the the future is, for him, it's still unclear. So um, if you wanted to, if you wanted to keep, if you did find a loophole or you did find a way that something could be fixed and you didn't want that to happen, it would be a pretty good lie to tell somebody. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's the end of the recap. That is it. <laughs> that is where we end. <laughs> Will or Armfong? Yeah, <laughs> I can't I'm, say. That. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording right where you said that. That was our recap. So, um. Yeah, we're at we're at the end of our time here now. So let me stop this record and then we'll pick up again on um soundtrack, okay? Okay. Okay, I want to All right, Lindsay, it is time when we discuss our favorites and our least favorites of the episode. And I made you go first last time, and then I copied you because <laughs> we had the same opinion. So I'm going to go first this time. Let's see if you can Okay. Copy me or not. It's it, it's a really wide open field this time around because we have a mm-hmm. lot of really good people and a lot of really despicable people this episode. Um, yeah. For my favorite, my MVP of this episode, um, I got to bow down to Katarina. Not just for that scene where she broke down with that picture of Mikkel when she was in the school office, but for that bunker scene and for the car ride with Charlotte. Just... I think she killed it this episode. I think that she rose above everybody else. Like everybody cries. <laughs> and I think that's just something that actors like learn to do, but it's different to learn to be bewildered and angry and um, just feel like just many emotions at once and just portraying it on the screen. Well, like she does. And she's my lady, Katarina, give it up. How about you, Lindsay? Who you like in this episode? Well, a lot? Steve, Katarina is also my MVP. <laughs> <laughs> You're copying me. 
<laughs> sure, sure, I am. Um, no, it's actually on this piece of paper that I um, <laughs> that Proof. I was going to pick her, and she, yeah, she killed it, as you say. This, this scene, I mean, her her scene with I with um, breaking down in the high school, I think, is one of the most emotional scenes of the entire show. To be honest with you, okay. So it just it really it really gutted me um, the first time I saw it. And every time I see it, it's she does a great job with this scene and coming down to the bunker and just her angry, <laughs> her angry retribution is still very much alive. Yep. You know, don't mess with Katarina ever. So <laughs> I think she did a great, a great job um, portraying the roller coaster of emotions that somebody in her position would be going through. I mean, she must have did a great job. We're both picking her, and we're both picking her over top of Jonas, who also did mm. a fantastic job this episode. He could have easily been my favorite, both young mm. and old, and Adam Jonas. Like, all of them killed it. And who else was really great that I thought in this episode that really blew me away? Um, there was one other person. That was three people I was thinking. Jonas, Katarina, and... Come on, Lindsay. Claudia? <laughs> Claudia, yes, Claudia, redheaded Claudia. Her library scenes. Like I loved all that. And not little Agnes or Erna? I mean, we had some we had like we had, no. I was like thinking you might be going with Erna for some reason. No, she was you like cool. those underdogs. <laughs> I mean, she that it was the wrong episode for her. I mean, Katarina like just rose above mm -hmm. everybody, so mm -hmm. so yeah. sorry, so sorry, Erna. <laughs> Well, how about least favorite? Should I go first now, too? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, least favorite. Again, there's many, many people here we could be choosing. Um, like Clausen, for example. I don't want to let Clausen win anything. I'm like I'm like team anti-Clausen. Like, I thought I was going to like him a lot, but I really do not. <laughs> but who I really, really don't like, and I really want to punch his face, is young Noah. So young Noah is winning my award for this episode. He is just so despicable to watch and just gets on my nerves so bad. And staring at Jonas while he's sleeping, what a creepy move. So yeah, young Noah gets it for me. Well, okay, that's interesting because before um, before I gave it to Katarina, I almost considered giving it to teen Noah, my favorite. <laughs> It sounds like you're saying Team Noah, like <laughs> Teen Teenager Noah. Yeah. So you didn't I, you didn't give it to to Noah then, no? I didn't. I get. I mean, it was gonna. You know, I'm saying he was gonna get my favorite character. Oh, though. your favorite! Oh my gosh, yeah. we would have been in yeah. a fist fight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my least favorite this episode is gonna go to Magnus. Oh, the heart of choice. my heart, the okay. heart of my heart, but um, <laughs> boy, do you have to punch a guy when he's down? I mean, <laughs> Magnus, I mean, I, I adore Magnus, even though he's a stalker, but he's just, um, you know, he is a man of few words. He mostly speaks with his fists. Yeah. <laughs> 
or his body. <laughs> so I guess he's he's acting in form um, t- by you know just beating up on Bartosh. But um, I didn't I didn't like you know you were saying Marta was the mastermind and perhaps mm-hmm. but I mean she didn't say beat up on him as far as we know. So I think that was all Magnus. <laughs> I she, am she does shocked. she does say she does say leave him here. She is the one that says that. Yeah, yeah. Which but. I thought was the cruelest of all, like punching him. I don't know. I think that's like a knee jerk reaction, but like leaving him tied up in the dark cave. Eee. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't just that, but see, they hit him while he was tied up. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you. Now that you mention it. That is pretty low down. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna get like we saw, at least Bartosh, you know, picked a fight with Jonas, but the, he wasn't tied up. That was like, you know, man, mano e mano, right? The two of us <laughs> are gonna face off. Like Magnus tied Bartosh up and then hit him at least twice. Wow. Just, it's really gross. And you know it must have been bad if, if, if you gave Magnus worst character. Because I'm looking back here and you've given Magnus best character multiple times. So this is exactly why I wanted to do this. Because I knew that like our opinions of characters would change from episode I mean, to episode. I didn't even I mean, consider he's Magnus. Still, he's still dreamy. But um, <laughs> he's got, he gets my bozo of, the, of, the, of this, of this uh, episode. Well, now, now that we're talking trash about Magnus, let me say that when he was sitting on the couch in that first scene with him and Marta, and he had like his head back and he was just kind of like, whatever, he looked really funny. <laughs> he looked like he had like this giant neck and this little tiny head. So I thought that was a funny scene. I want to make fun of him now. <laughs> but that's a shocker, I still want to know. I still want to know what happened to Magnus's black hoodie. I mean... I, you know, we still hmm. haven't seen him in a black hoodie. And um, that was before this whole time travel thing, too, right? So, like, I don't yes. think it got time traveled. I mean, unless maybe Mickle, like, stuck it in his backpack, like, before he left for school that day. That little scoundrel. <laughs> well, all right, Lindsay. I think we're going to move on to some listener feedback. We have feedback this week, as a matter of fact. Oh, boy. Yes, it should be an oh boy situation. I love it. I like, I know we do this podcast a lot of times for ourselves and we want to talk to each other and we want to do this show. But of course we want listeners, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nice when we look at our numbers and we see that we have listeners, but it's even better when we hear from listeners. Mm-hmm. And our boy Dylan E has been hitting us up every week now. So I got to give him a shout out. He's fresh on the heels of being the new Lindsay Dunn. Cause I remember somebody <laughs> named Lindsay Dunn that used to write in all the time. And now she's sitting right here. So. <laughs> but Dylan E said to us, um, I didn't mention it a couple weeks ago, but he mentioned that he liked the way we wrapped up season one on the podcast and he gave us a kudos for that. So thank you. And then he hooked me up. He hooked me up. He hit me up (laughs) on Thursday night with a hookup. (laughs) He hit me up with this. He said, "Um, wonderful evening to you guys. I hope you guys have a great week. I love this week's pod. And I'm tuning in on this quiet evening with my coffee in the midst of this darker weather coming in for the weekend. And I love his imagery there. Like, you know, I don't, 
I don't sit still while I podcast or while I listen to podcasts. When I'm mm-hmm. listening to podcasts, I'm either like walking around or I'm driving or something. So people that can sit and listen to a podcast, kudos <laughs> to you. I don't know how you do it, but thank you, Dylan E for always writing in and for always giving us good reviews. I very much appreciate it. And I always share your messages with Lindsay too, don't worry. Yes, thank you Dylan E for your continued fandom. We couldn't run the show without you. Yeah, Viewers like you. Listeners like you. (laughs) Listeners like you, exactly. Okay, so Steve, you had some feedback. I had some feedback as well this week, so that was kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, what you got? We got a comment on a Facebook post from a from a person named Holger Forsterling. They write, I enjoy your podcast. And I am in the camp that regards a time machine that sends people through time alive as an advancement over a machine that only sends dead bodies, even if it Ah. looks more bulky. Ah. And I believe this was in reference to the fact that we were debating over if the chair, um, the bigger chair that went around the whole body, Mm -hmm. was it older or newer? And, you know, his point was, whichever machine sends people through alive is the better one. Bam, bam. (laughs) (laughs) That's my proof, too. That's exactly what I said. (laughs) By the way, I'm sure the tennis player on the poster in Mickle's room, remember we were saying, Mm -hmm. like, who is that person? The the tennis player in Mickle's room is Boris Becker, Wimbledon winner of 1985 and 1986. Interesting. Okay. I know that name, too. Like he was the guy that was famous before Andre Agassi started becoming the phenom of like the late 80s. Um, neat, yeah, I'm, I don't keep yeah. up with tennis, but I definitely recognize that name. I really appreciated this comment because I like facts. And I did, um, I did like Google the person's picture, but you know I what I haven't done yet is go back and compare it to the poster <laughs> to verify. <laughs> but I was like, you know, you can tell this person's really listening because we asked that question on the podcast only. So, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And then we got one more, um, one more letter as well. Uh, another comment on one of our past episodes. I think they commented on season two, episode two. And where did they go? Simon S is their name. I always censor out people's last names just out of habit. I don't know why. But Simon S. writes, I'm digging it. Because he gave us a good review on Spodcast. So first, I'm digging it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how long and thorough it is. And that that immediately put me on Simon's <laughs> side. Because I was like, me and Lindsay are always too concern- so concerned that our podcasts are too long. So if Simon's saying that he likes it that way, then... We're doing the right thing. <laughs> At least me and Lindsay and Simon think so anyway. Okay. Um, unfortunately, this is what Simon says. I think I'm going to be watching ahead of the podcast, but please keep it up. We will. Absolutely. And listen to us whenever you want. We'll still keep podcasting. Okay. Simon goes on. He says, P.S. Please stop calling Bernadette he. I cringe every time. Yes, absolutely. You're right. If I ever made a mistake and misgendered Bernadette, I apologize. Thank you for calling me out. 
it won't happen again. And if it does, Lindsay will uh, will punch me and make me edit it correctly. So <laughs> we'll make sure to do that right in the future. Um, I appreciate you writing, Simon. Thank you very much. Yeah, although I'm not sure if we ever have, nowhere in the show do we have Bernadette saying what their pronouns are. So um, mm. not that not that I'm, like it is important, we do wanna respect that, but we don't necessarily know how Bernadette identifies. That's true. Could be non-binary, could be, you know, like, so we don't know. Um, in, unless Bernadette, you know, these days characters would probably give their pronouns. You know, that's right. that's a big deal now. That wasn't a thing when Dark Dark came out. But yeah, I think it. I think it's unclear whether Benny slash Bernadette, what pronouns are that they, she, he would use. You know, so. Right, but I mean, I take this yeah. point well. I'll, pro I'll probably start referring to to Bernadette as they, um, just mm -hmm. to be on the safe side. That's what you're supposed to yeah. do. Um, I do know that um, Bernadette does not get mad when people call her Benny. Um, so it's mm -hmm. not like a dead name situation. Um, Bernadette will go by both names without any issue, it seems, because that's what um, that's what their brother called, that's what Waller was saying was Benny. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's all yeah. fair game. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're pointing that out. I'm glad people are siding with me on the on the uh, electric chair issue. That's awesome. Um, if you have any comments or anything you want to throw at us, please do so at sweetshotoftimepod at gmail.com or respond to us on Instagram, which is what Dylan E. usually does, or respond to us via the Spotify app, which is how Simon S. did it, or the Facebook group. Who knows? We're all out there. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll take any and all comments in any all formats. Yeah, if we get a notification, we'll look at it and we'll be happy and we'll read it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I think that's all we got for listener feedback this week, which is more than we've ever had. That's, <laughs> mm -hmm. I gotta say. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's not true. Back in the 1899 days, there was one week we got 11 letters in one week and that was blowing my mind. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> but no. not about, that was, that, was, uh, that was for Wheel of Time. Not 1899, yeah. Oh, 1899. Because okay. I wasn't reading all the letters that I was getting. I would just pick out one or two of the best ones. And usually they okay. were yours, Lindsay. You can pat yourself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did have some good letters, didn't I? Absolutely. <laughs> well, Lindsay, what are you going to be up to this week? What do you have any? Do you have any plugs or anything going on you wanted to point us to? Oh boy. Well, Steve. You know what big movies are coming out this weekend? What Barbie movies? and Oppenheimer. Oh, that's right. Um, so Oppenheimer or whatever they're very, calling it. <laughs> I'm very thrilled that tomorrow I'm going to a press screening for Oppenheimer. Cannot oh. wait. Okay. So I'll I have the opportunity to write a review early. So I need to, I will try to get that out this week. I did finally finish my curtain raiser for the Fantasia Fest. So yes. that is on the one of my stories website, one of my stories.com. You can find the 12, the top 12 movies I'm excited about to watch during Fantasia Fest, which is a Canadian genre film festival. And um, yeah, it's neat with, with Oppenheimer 
with related with like nuclear energy. It's very it's wind and adjacent, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, I guess so. They're talking about the atomic bomb and um, is doesn't isn't Albert Einstein in the movie like a character plays him? We see an Albert Albert Einstein type in the movie. I'm not sure what they're what they're in the trailer. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with that. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, should be interesting. I'll be anxiously awaiting uh, to read that and to see that movie. So I'm 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 anxious about it. You know, I'm a Christopher Nolan fan, so this is right up my alley. And Barbie, too. Don't forget Barbie. I hope you do a good write-up for Barbie and say how great Ryan Gosling is, please. Yeah, I did see. Now, I won't, there's no press screening in North Carolina for Barbie, unfortunately. I will be seeing it on Friday. But I did find that there was a video on YouTube that was like 30-some movies that inspired Greta Gerwig. So oh. she talks about all the movies that uh, inspired her to make Barbie. So that was... That was kind of interesting. There was a lot. There was like singing in the La- singing in the rain, umbrellas of Cherbourg, American in Paris. You know, so it it was an interesting YouTube video to watch. So if you are really into, if you're really excited about the Barbie movie, that might be worth checking out because it is. You know, that's what film critics like too. You know, we like to see like, oh yeah, they're caught. You know, they're inspired by this scene mm-hmm. to do this thing. Just like we like to drool over dark, and th- there's <laughs> this painting or this piece of music in here. It's, you know, it's very much the same thing. So, yeah, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to those two movies in different ways. Like Barbie, I just plan to whenever it comes on a streamer just watching it for free. I'm sure it'll be fun. But Oppenheimer, I I will see it the minute I'm available to. I'm really looking forward to that one. So I want to mm-hmm. see what you have to say about it too. So say something good. <laughs> or take me with you. Can I come too? I gotta, <laughs> I'm free tomorrow. Um, <laughs> see, as for me, I am doing a lot of podcasts I guess that's just good on the list here um recently I was on the we live podcast which is like a zombie um call-in radio show uh it's kind of like a fictional podcast I guess you would say like a improvised fiction uh that was a lot of fun I was on episode six of that uh I was recently on the dead jesters productions podcast and um it hasn't aired yet hopefully by the time this comes out it might come out this Wednesday, which is July 19th, but it might not. It might be the, the Wednesday after. But um, his whole thing is, you know, a lot of podcasters have things they do. Um, you know, Lindsay's a film critic. I'm just like a TV and music fan. Um, what the Jesters production, what the Jesters do is they help other podcasters um, get their podcast going and help them with their um, marketing and their social media stuff. So that's kind of the angle they go at. So if you go to their website, it's just a lot of tools to help you become a podcaster, basically. Um, Kind of like inside baseball kind of stuff. Um, So I'm gonna start putting their link in our next couple of episodes, uh, just out of favor, because they let me on the show there. I talked for like three hours about all kinds of different stuff, about podcasting and music and whatnot. And then Pyrefire. I got a once more shout out Pyrefire. Um, a band from New Jersey that's very nice to me. So I'm very nice to them back. I featured the music on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, I'll put another link for their album on here. Um, 
just it's just a good listen. And I'm not on their podcast because they don't have a podcast. But if they did, I would be on it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And let's see. Make sure to check out my main link. Like Lindsay has one of my stories dot com. Um, I don't mm-hmm. have a .com, I have a link tree, which is Intro Void, which is the name of my band. I think I always forget to plug my band, but my music's <laughs> all on Spotify and Apple Music and all those streamers. And that's me for this week, I guess. Does that sound like a decent plug? Did I babble enough, Lindsay? This sounds like you, ha- it sounds like you have a lot going on that you're a very productive and popular podcast guest, Steve. Oh, thank you. It sounds like you have a lot going on, too, with a lot of movies that you watch (laughs) and a lot of podcasts that you do. We're busy people. (laughs) Let's end the business for the evening. Let's get back to our leisure and uh, let's end the podcast here, Lindsay. So to Dylan E and to Simon S and to the individual on Facebook groups and to everyone else, I hope you all find water and shade. And how about me, Steve? Do you want me to have some water and shade? Oh, didn't I include you in that group too? Well, Lindsay, (laughs) my (laughs) co-host, I absolutely want you to have water and shade. And I hope your kitty cat, who I I failed to check on your cat this past week, (laughs) I hope your cat finds water and shade as well. Steve, I hope you find water and shade and a loophole when you need it. (laughs) Thank you so much. I needed that. (laughs) From us at Sweet Shot of Time. Bye-bye. Bye.